Hi, I'm Courtney. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. So Dale decided to stick around with us, uh, and I asked her a question off the air because I didn't want her to feel guilted into uh, <laughs> sticking around for another episode. But one of the things that comes up often when people are diagnosed with an STI is that they think their sex lives are over, and that is not the case. So in the beginning of the podcast when it was created um i spoke with our guest hannah and we had a bonus episode called um positive king polyamory and pansexuality i believe um but that I, I didn't know what i was asking i was learning and i'm still learning but it's come up time and time again there are people who are diagnosed who want to be more educated about non-traditional forms of sexuality being um you know identifying with another gender or wanting to have different kinds of sex with different kinds of people or having multiple partners at the same time, whatever the case is. No judgment at all. This is a judge-free zone. <laughs> and so um, my goal in this episode is to just talk with Dale about Dale's sex life um, and how, how it is now compared to how it was before, just to give anyone who thinks their sex life is over a different perspective because i mean really it's not like now you're gonna have way better sex than you had in the past now that you're able to use herpes in a way to begin to accept yourself put yourself first just a couple of things like that we talked about in the last episode with dale so i'm gonna put these together back to back so that if you listen to one you will autoplay on to the next one so dale yeah let's talk about your sexuality you identify as non-binary, which means neither male or female. Right, yeah. So more like it's my gender identity. Um, and like sec my sexuality, I would define as queer. Um, which, yeah, like I said before, it's just kind of like nobody is off limits. There's right, no like right. body or genders that are a no-go so for, me. for the listeners like i'm i'm gonna ask a lot of questions that may come off as ignorant like i know but i want to ask in a way that allows people who don't know to to become more educated about it so Absolutely. if there's anything i ask you and you like that courtney that's a stupid fucking question i'm not answering that you can just let me know courtney that's a stupid fucking question i'm not answering that yeah. but <laughs> um what body part do you have like gender yeah. Gender wise, you have a penis or a vagina? I have a vagina. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like part of the reason I feel like I, non binary is like the word that I use is because I don't, not that this is, this doesn't apply to anybody else's experience. I'm not speaking for a group right now. I'm just speaking for myself. Right. So I'm clear about that too because people use different words to mean different things in different contexts. But like for me, I'm okay with, like, I'm okay with my body. I'm not planning on changing it. Uh, and even though that makes kind of, like, me having my gender acknowledged by other people sometimes more difficult because mm -hmm. I do get perceived as female in most circles. Um, yeah, like, when you called me, I was like, holy shit, you're a girl? And then, I was, <laughs> right as I'm saying it, I was like, oh, fuck. I just opened up the door for <laughs> her, for Dale to hate me. <laughs> no, no, and I don't hate, like, I know that's, like, that's what I sound, that's what I sound like, and I kind of, I mean, I right now in my life exist in this, like, magical queer bubble that's really affirming, and 
safe and validating for me and I have like I have as many friends that use gender neutral pronouns like they them than I do that use gender pronouns like he him or she her um so for me and my life right now coming out as not binary was like not a deal but it's also something that a lot of people in this world have never heard of have never been exposed to and it's really like, I feel like it's a lot more accurate of expressing my gender, where, like, my biological sex is, like, I have a vagina, I'm biologically female, and I'm okay with that, and I'm also still going to insist, like, my gender identity is not female, I'm not cisgendered, I'm not binary, mm-hmm. um, but it is this, like, ambiguous gray area that is harder for people to grasp when they aren't thinking about gender in that way when they're thinking about gender in a really binary way which is how most people are raised so I I feel like I'm very confident in my gender identity and also really acknowledge and accept the reality that not everybody's gonna get it (laughs) yeah (laughs) I like that I like that so I'm sure a question that you get asked you when you you're non-monogamous are you polyamorous or is there another term that I'm missing yeah I mean I like to identify as non-monogamous like non-monogamous because I don't feel like I feel like with poly it's not an inaccurate word to use for me but I also when I think of people who identify as poly I think of people that are really active in a poly community and that is not me okay Um, I have a lot of friends that are active in the poly community in Minneapolis and that's super awesome um but it's just not my style I'm uh I do well in groups of three or less like, I don't really do a lot of, like, big community things um, as far as, you know, like, meetups go or, like, social groups go because, it, yeah, it just doesn't suit me. And I also feel like I do monogamy in a very non – or I do non-monogamy in a very non-hierarchical way, which I find a lot of people who do poly and that word is very important to them. It's often – uh, hierarchical kind of non-monogamy so, and that's fine but again it's just like not my thing so when you say that i'm imagining when you say hierarchy when you when you say there's a hierarchy <laughs> i hierarchical was that the word you said hierarchical it's real it's a real word <laughs> all right well well i'll i'll stick to the one i know so we're saying that there's a hierarchy in poly so we're talking like your primary partner i guess and then there or fluid bonded partner and then you have your I guess everybody else. Yeah, people. I mean, there's no right or wrong way. People mm. do it in different ways, but I think a lot of folks do. Like, I have a primary partner, and then I have you know secondary partners, and and the tricky thing with that too is like what that means to everybody is different, even oh, when they're speaking yeah. the same language. Um, and I generally like I'll have different kinds of relationships with individuals, but it's because of who they are as individuals and how I want to date them. Right think that like it's really tricky you know and like I've, I've had previous experiences where I'm like dating somebody who has a primary partner but they don't want to call me their secondary partner but because of that existing relationship like I'm always going to be secondary and that doesn't mean I'm like unwilling to date them but it like it just it I just don't people who put a lot of stock into those words like I'm I just don't yeah, it just seems so draining. It seems like a lot of energy to have to communicate it rather than just be it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. yeah. I don't feel and like that's where you are. Like you, you just you be it. 
<laughs> I be non-monogamous. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So I like to just, like, leave things up more to, like, negotiation than to, like, I have a plan on how I want my my non-monogamy to look, and then I'm going to do that plan. Because I right. feel like that also ultimately always changes. Okay, negotiations. First, this is a word that's come up. It's very new to me, negotiations during sex. Obviously, this is another way of saying having the sex talk. I guess we're talking about sexual health. We're giving consent here. We're saying what's on limits, what's off limits. So first off, before I ask you about negotiations, what type of sex do you have or don't you have? Like, if you... What type of sex don't I have? Um, I feel like I'll try a lot of things. Okay. So I have a lot of different kinds of sex. Um, and I also feel like it's changed since um, I've come out in various ways. Um, so I feel like right now in my life, I primarily have sex with other people with vaginas. Um, but again, like I have all different kinds of sex. Uh, I so I guess like, what's that, what is that limited or not limited to, I guess? I, you don't have to talk about yourself here. Like if you're more comfortable with like, let's create a person who has a vagina, who engages in this type of sexual lifestyle. Like, what are they doing? If you primarily, this person is primarily... Uh, involved with people with vaginas are we talking like no penetration are we talking about oh right yeah okay um so definitely i mean also like i worked in a sex toy store for like five years so a lot of sex toys so sex toys factor into a lot of my sex regardless of the genitals of the other person um yeah i would say like penetration is still on the table um for sure like and then there's some things that i never really did before I guess, before I had herpes, not because I wasn't interested in them, but it just wasn't part of my life. So, like, fisting is a thing that I do that not a lot of other people maybe talk about doing um, that I really enjoy. Um, but, yeah, penetration with sex toys, penetration with hands and fingers factor into it. I guess, like, personally, I don't, like, I don't get penetrated anally a lot. Um, mostly because I'm lazy and I a lot. Wait, <laughs> yeah. All right, so for like warm up for butt stuff, I have a finicky butt, so that'd probably be the thing I like don't engage in. Okay, a lot, but like a lot of oral sex, a lot of manual sex, a lot of penetration with non-penis objects. See, so here's here's why I ask because I would have made the assumption, and this is you know part of why people should make assumptions. Like I would have made the assumption based on you telling me. One, you have a, you were born with and biologically have a vagina, but you don't you you date women. I immediately went to oh okay, so she doesn't like penetration. That's what I would make the oh, assumption that, of. No, like that is a common misconception. Okay, um, <laughs> and it's also really interesting because so yeah, I mean I've been a sex educator for a long time, and it's one thing that I think is hilarious. The people think that, like, if you're not interested in penises, you're not interested in penetration, and that, like, wouldn't be pleasurable for you, but also, like, manual penetration with, like, hands is what I mean by that. You can get, I feel like for most people with vaginas, way more control and therefore more pleasure from that than sex with a penis, like, penetrative sex with a penis, because you have so little control over a penis. Um, but, yeah, I think that um, people do have that misconception um, about people with vaginas who primarily have sex with other people with vaginas, that, mm -hmm. like, then you just, like, touch each other or something, and that's it, and that's very, <laughs> there is, I feel like, 
I feel like since I've become more immersed in a queer community and um, had sex with more people who are like either trans or non-binary or identify as queer um, in whatever way, like there's negotiating sex is easier because there's less general assumptions made about what you're going to like. Um, because everybody's different, everybody's bodies are different, and you uh-huh. might, like, I've been on dates where I'm like, I have no idea what kind of genitals you have. <laughs> you know? And I'm okay with that, because I'm like, there's always the potential for me to give somebody's genitals pleasure, and vice versa, yeah. and for me, I'm open to that, none of those things are a deal breaker for me, so, like, you just realize, like, that, like, for me, like, that stuff, like, that shit doesn't matter. And, like, I'm just going to learn what this person likes by talking about it. And more, I think more queer people are used to having those conversations. because. So, that, wait, this this conversation being a negotiation? Yeah. Okay, and like so a, while we're here also, now, negotiations. People, sorry, go ahead. Negotiations. This term is, just to make sure I have it clear and concise, negotiations are, just because you're negotiating, it doesn't mean you're offering consent like we're at this point talking about what's okay what's not okay this is where i stand with my sexual health and this is like a discussion of what to expect should you decide to give your consent is that an accurate statement on what negotiations are so it's like i will like i can be more concrete um so like i'll you know, somebody that I'm like, this is going well. We're probably going to, like, do some sex stuff. Like, maybe we've already, like, made out. some sex stuff. So, <laughs> what are you into? Like, what's on the table? What's not on the table? Um, depending, like, I'll ask people, like, are there parts of your body that you want touched specifically or don't want touched specifically? Um, I think, like, sometimes I wear, like, a binder to, like, squish my boobs down to have a flatter chest because I like the physical appearance of that. And I think that that is something that a lot of non-binary people do. And it'll be, it's kind of a nice, like, barrier, too, because some folks engaging with their genitals or engaging with their secondary sex characteristics it can, like, bring up some gender dysphoria. So checking in about those things is really thoughtful. And then you're not making that other person, like, confess a thing to you you're being like oh do you want me to touch your chest yes or no before you ever touch their chest so then there's like a feeling of safety so that could be great um so just like gauging what people are into and I would say like again I'm not part of like a kink community but like I'm a little kinky so I'll like ask people like are you into power dynamics are you more toppy or bottomy do you want your like, do you want me to show up as more toppy or bottomy? Like, what would you ideally like? And then once we kind of both can say those things and we can, like, see where they overlap and then talk about the, like, actual things that are going to happen and that's where, like, the consent part starts to happen more. Okay. Um, so is this, like, foreplay? Because, <laughs> be. I mean, you're like, ooh, yeah, I like dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I'm not good at dirty talk. So for me, it usually doesn't get sexy unless like the other person makes it bad. But for me, it's also like really, I won't relax into experiencing pleasure in my own body unless I've had these kinds of conversations. Right. So So it's. It, it gives you a safe, a sense of safety, security, like you've already set the boundaries with a person. You don't have to worry about having to set boundaries throughout the interaction, throughout intercourse. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it because it's already been done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like there's always communication happening 
you know, so things can change and you need to be like open to things changing during, but I also get very nonverbal mm-hmm. when I'm sexual. And so it's also really hard for me to, like, I feel like there's, I have to like, like get out of being sexual a little bit to articulate myself once I'm really in it. And so that I'm pretty upfront with people about it. I'm like, that's why I need this upfront really hardcore. Yeah. Because I can be responsive and I know what's going on, but it's really hard for me to like make a whole sentence once I'm like really aroused. And so yeah. like I know that about myself. I'm gonna let you know that about me and that's gonna make this whole thing easier. That's where we, we revert we revert back and like devolve devolve back to like just using one word like more, stop, slow, fast. Yeah, that's all I got at a certain point. Yeah. I'm not going to lie about it. <laughs> right. Okay, so in dating, you said that you have these conversations more so in the queer community, but you've been on Tinder. So I'm sure that at some point there was like a guy that you were attracted to, you engaged in conversation, I'm guessing, and maybe met up with, and it's like an oblivious guy to that entire realm. He sees you and thinks, oh, girl, vagina. He thinks he's meeting up with a woman, and he has in his mind, oh, sex is happening, penis, vagina, bam. Have you, like, do you first, do you look for those kinds of interactions to just be treated like a woman by a straight guy? And I do air quotes when I say that. Or is this something where you find yourself in a position to have to educate this person and go through the whole negotiations and consent part? Because this is someone who probably i mean let's take me for example like before i knew and was aware of this world existing like it was like okay i'm going out on a date with a girl things go well we get home i put my penis in her vagina and that's sex and maybe in her mouth her butt if i'm lucky uh-huh okay well yeah so i whew, i don't look for those situations actively um like my dating profile right now says that i'm non-binary says that i use they them pronouns um and i would avoid going on a date with anybody who thinks i'm a woman Uh, because i don't need to have that conversation anymore um i've been out as non-binary in i guess in different stages for like a year and a half so I was still, I was dating, identifying as female, feeling really uncomfortable for a while. And so part of me being like, I'm not even looking to have those conversations anymore. is like, I've had them in this really awkward way where I was the one kind of like lying to myself. And so like, I just don't want to go there anymore um, because I don't have, like, I realize I don't have to. Um, like I don't have to pretend to be a woman to get people to want to have sex with me or go on dates with me. I can be open and find people. And definitely since coming out as non-binary, um, less cis dudes, um, are like less cisgendered men are interested in going on dates with me. I'm pretty okay with that. Um, because it's also, I really want to go on dates with people who see me and in not in the back of the head are like, oh, but you're a woman. Oh, but you're a woman. So this is like, okay. For me, it's like, no, I'm non-binary. And like the, even before I came out, all of the cis dudes I've ever dated were also like a little bit gay. And that has been important to me that there is like some gender play in a romantic relationship. And I don't really date straight people in general. So... I don't look for those situations, but sometimes they do come up or, you know, I think for a lot of people, because non-binary is kind of this like gray area, 
sexual identity in a lot of people's minds that like there usually is some educating around it or some addressing um like misconceptions or assumptions um because in the same way that like all like people who identify as women express their femininity differently like people who are non-binary express gender in a really diverse kind of way so I've definitely gone on dates where people are like oh I just assumed that you like wouldn't want me to play with your nipples or wouldn't want me to touch this part of your body or like wouldn't be into penetration or whatever it is and like no that doesn't necessarily mean my preferences are going to be indicative of any other non-binary person's preferences but like for me there's yeah like those things don't always like go along with I guess what people might assume because it yeah it's a whole thing. Um, so yeah, I don't look for those situations. And then when I do find myself in them, it's usually like if I have, there's like a, there's a, there's a blurry line, I guess, that's like the level of education I want to do and how, where that date's going to go. Um, because if there's like a gender 101 lesson that I need to give this person at this point, like that date's not going to lead to sex. I feel like that just makes you lose attraction. You get to a point where, oh, I have to turn you into the kind of person I'm attracted to. So because that's so draining, I don't even want to deal with that. Yeah. And there's definitely been times in my life where I've been like willing to do that kind of work to date a person. And I'm just not in that spot right now. Yeah. I mean, and I can imagine that that's when you know them and you, you see potential in that person or you know that you want to spend more time with them. So it's a good idea to educate them on uh on your lifestyle and what it what that would mean so that when they're around you they know what to expect and then allow them to make the conscious choice of walking deeper into that or running for the hills if that's something that they don't want any parts of yeah right (laughs) yeah and i think that like yeah that's been that's been one thing where it's just for me right now it's easier for me to date other non-binary and trans people or at least like queer people just because then that level that that conversation goes so much faster mm-hmm. because instead of it being like let me understand your identity and then understand how you express your identity it's like okay get your identity let's talk about how you express your identity so it like skips this big big step right. um and just makes makes it easier and then i think also it's like a non-binary person it's just really affirming for me to have sex with other non-binary people mm-hmm. um but it's not like I exclusively have sex with those folks. It's just it's a it's been a really empowering experience for me since coming out. So that's been really great. And then I think also because you're already talking about like the logistics of sex so much more openly, talking about herpes with other queers has been a lot easier um, than than talking disclosing to like straight people that I've gone on dates with to be totally honest well let's be honest because a lot of as a straight guy I've not had the conversation about consent I've not had a conversation about negotiations I've not had a conversation about um, sexual health until after I got to a point where I had herpes and then that's where I began to develop an understanding for my own um, sexual education like I have now that I'm involved with it I uh, I'm aware I wasn't aware before being involved and I think that part of that is the reason that a lot of us get diagnosed with herpes or whatever else and don't know how to deal with it because 
there's just a complete absence of this perspective available to us. And so, I mean, hopefully in what we're doing, we're able to make this available to more people and more people are able to uh, understand and identify with consent negotiations because negotiations seem like they can be fun. Like a girl could be into some shit that I've never even thought of and be like, whoa, you, you want me to do that to you? Like, <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah, let's try that out. For me, it wasn't like it was always easy just because I'm gay. Like it was, right. it's still awkward at first. Yeah, you know. But the more, the more practice you get, the easier it becomes. So it's, I think it's just there's, I think that when you're having like penis and vagina sex, you have this kind of like you assume that there's a shared expectation of how that's going to go. And I don't think that that is true just because you're straight. I don't think that's ever true. I think people just assume that like when they're in the norm identity group or behavior group or what they perceive as that, that there's a shared expectations and kind of a like plan on how it's supposed to go. And everybody's on the same page and really nobody's ever on the same page. No, we're not. Like I think everybody can benefit from just talking about their sex lives a little bit more, especially yes. with their partners. Um, like as a sex educator, that was always like people be like, "What is the one thing that you would tell somebody to have better sex?" I'm just like, talk about it more, communicate mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Um, I think that's like the secret to better sex for anybody. I think it's just that when you're already in a place where like the norm isn't what you're trying to do, or isn't a possibility for you and the kind of people you want to have sex with, you're already like, okay, so I gotta just figure this out mm-hmm. and figure out what I'm gonna do. And it, it doesn't always mean that you're having a lot of conversations, but oftentimes it does. And so you kind of start that process of learning how to talk about sex, learning how to negotiate negotiate about sex earlier. So then by the time you're like in your late 20s, it feels a little bit more normal and right. feels easier to do just because you've had more practice. Um, and even then still, it's like I've definitely, I definitely am a over communicator over discloser type person so i've also like nego- like negotiated sex with queer people who don't feel the need to talk about as many things as i want to talk about yeah um and like that's fine and it's it's just better to communicate rather than to assume because i mean yeah. i've been in situations where assumptions are made like i'm a big ass black dude with muscles and like a little woman wants to go into this like role play type thing where it's like, oh yeah, you expect me to throw you up against the wall and be all aggressive, but shit, maybe I want to make love and cuddle. You know, don't make that assumption by looking at me like that. <laughs> you, never, you never know what somebody is into by looking at them. Right, so. but you that's when you go through the negotiations process and you go through, um, you have the negotiations, you talk about consent and like that's, I think that that does I really believe that this helps with our sex education. I think that it helps remove shame from sex as well because two people who have an assumption of how sex is supposed to go to a degree have some level of shame because you, right. you're you taught not to talk about it. You're taught this is what to expect. Like, if you, sex is to have babies, and if you're going to have babies, you, that's required for penis, vagina, and it's not taught to be a a pleasurable experience, which it is. It's like, why the fuck aren't we learning or developing or preparing people to, for this pleasurable experience that has so many different potential outcomes? Right, and I think it also 
also makes people, yeah, like ashamed of the things that do bring them pleasure. You know, like one, like if I am having sex with a person with a penis, like one of my favorite things to do is like prostate play because it's fun for me. Um, and it's something though that like not a lot of straight dudes are comfortable with because they aren't necessarily in touch with that part of their body or they think it like means something else. And I'm like, no. Like when you think about just like the anatomy of how your genitals are designed. Well wait, see, and what you're saying now, like a lot of dudes don't even know what a prostate is. They're like, Oh yeah, my prostate's my balls. No. Right, yeah. So like when like I think that that's one one privilege that I have as be of like a history of being in sex education is I really understand a lot about anatomy and how nerves function and like the biology of arousal and like I think that has improved my sex life like my ability to give pleasure to others more than any book you read or anything like that is just like understanding how, like how people are hardwired and then like going off of that and I think that we have a lot of shame about different things that bring us pleasure when if you're just like well look at how your body's set up like of course that physical stimulation in that one area brings you sexual pleasure because it builds arousal like you can look at it like that and for some people that's not sexy but it's also like just like accepting the reality of bodies yeah 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 so i think that that's awesome um for i wanted to do this episode again just for a listener who thinks their sex life is over because most of this conversation wasn't even about herpes. You're having negotiations with people, you know, herpes may come up, but like that doesn't mean you're not engaging in all of these sexual activities beyond just penis, vagina penetration either. So you're having the negotiations, you're disclosing your HSV one and you're offering consent or rejecting people like you may go through the negotiation phase and be like oh well we're not compatible and so what like yeah you have hsv but that doesn't make you that shouldn't reduce your standards for who's gonna who you're gonna sleep with and that's how we need to look at it it's like no one's gonna want to sleep with me first off you should not want to sleep with everybody so you when you make yourself the chooser you you create this newfound sense of power dynamic in your brain about your own condition. So, yes, I have herpes, but I'm not just going to fuck someone because they're okay with me having herpes. Like, you're going to like me for me, whether I have a penis or vagina or whether I'm going to care about your penis or vagina. Like, you make it more so about who the person is than what they have or what they think of you. And I think that, like, one thing that I've done to, like, because this hasn't always been something that I'm, like, really jazzed to do in real life. It's also been something I'm really, like, terrified to do in real life. And I think that one way that I've reframed it in my head is, like, this is about, like, trying to make pleasure for me and the other people involved in sex. Like, make pleasure the focus of it. And part of pleasure is, like, being able to relax and feel safe and taken care of. And that's when you start talking about, you know, barriers and treatment and STIs and herpes. Um, and that's that's one part of it. But the ultimate goal is, like, consensual pleasure. And yes. so keeping it in that framework can make those conversations feel a lot better and more positive. And not, like, that it's not scary because you're still making yourself vulnerable. And that's always, like, a little scary But it just is, like, really, for most people, that is actually their goal, and they make it about something else because they let their anxieties take over. And if you just keep reminding yourself that, like, this consensual pleasure is our goal, 
it yeah. is easier to have those conversations. And I think it's easier for everybody involved to have those conversations when that is like established. Mm-hmm. And it just goes back to that bigger picture conversation we had on the last episode. It's like, okay, in negotiations, this is what I have. This is what I'm bringing to that, to, to the big picture so that we're both able to get our own pleasure out of it. Like in, this is a book called, uh, was it No More Mr. Nice Guy by uh, Dr. Donald? No, not Donald Glover. I don't know. I, I'm i fucking up the name. I'll have to include it in the show notes. But there's a book called No More Mr. Nice Guy where it's like, it's not your job to please other people. You know, you ultimately, you're responsible for your own pleasure. And so it's like, if you decide to go into an intimate interaction with someone, like, you're not responsible for getting that person off. That person's responsible for getting themselves off. And, like, you've got this big cloud picture of what you're putting into it and what you want out of it. And if both of you are putting in and getting out what you want, like, as long as you're contributing to that cloud, that bigger picture, then you're going to get what you want without having to rely on the other person to provide it directly for you. So it's not going from their hand to your hand. It's going into the pot of the bigger picture and you're getting it out of there because that's just where it is and what you keep putting what you have into it. Damn, I feel like that was a lot that I just did. That might have been too much. I think that's good. That's a good recap. It makes sense to me. And I want to just like reemphasize something that you said because I think this is really important. And I feel like it's a lesson that I learned pretty fast, but it was still like a lesson that I had to learn. Is like just basically like fuck anybody who like not fuck as in have sex with, but like just dismiss anybody who's like tries to make you feel like they're doing you a favor by having sex with you because you have herpes like that is bullshit that creates an unhealthy power dynamic and like you don't need to have sex with people like that you just don't there's other people who will be like oh you have herpes okay let's still have sex and it'll be awesome and consensual and egalitarian if that's what you want um but they're not trying to like manipulate you based on the fact that you have herpes like you never have to put up with that and that can be a hard lesson to learn because when you're afraid you might feel really grateful that somebody wants to have sex with you and it's okay to feel grateful but that doesn't mean you actually have to have sex with them just because they will and that's like so 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 important it's so funny because at the beginning of the podcast, you're like, can, can we curse? And then you don't curse at all. And then you're like, fuck that person. <laughs> <laughs> I do curse a lot. And then just like, it comes and goes. I think that was the first fuck you said. Well, I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Carries more power now. Okay. So um, was there anything else you wanted to include? Like, I think we touched base on everything at least sex-wise, that I wanted to talk about with you. Like, it's just the fact that you have an active, communicative sex life, and even with herpes. And I just wanted to do this for the people who feel like they don't have, they no longer are going to have a sex life. So I'm really hoping that this helps them um, and maybe even help people come to terms with their sexuality. Like, oh, there's more than just, you know, a, for a girl, like a guy sticking his dick in my mouth, butt, and vagina, like I can do all this other shit. And then for guys, it's like, oh, it's okay for me to have my butthole tickled, like whatever. I hope, I hope people feel that way. Um, yeah, and that's like one point that I like to make a lot too is like if there are times when certain body parts are off limits because you're having outbreaks or you're, you know, even if you're just like having those like tingly, itchy feelings and you're nervous about it, like that doesn't mean you can't be sexual. There's so, yeah, there's so many ways to be sexual, 
you can use toys. You can do sensation play on like non-genital parts of non-genital parts of your body. Um, there's like role-playing scenarios that might be really arousing to you that don't even involve touching somebody's genitals or your own. Like you can do those things as part of your sexual relationship. Sex means so much more than penetrative intercourse. Yeah. So just like. Yeah, reminding people, like, there's so much possibility with sex, you don't have to look at it as a narrow thing. Yeah, that's awesome. And thank you, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time, because I told you 9 o'clock, and that we'd be done by 10 o'clock. It's 11.40. And... Oh, wow. Thank you for doing this. I'm really excited to participate in it. This is great. That is awesome. So what I want to do, I have, like, 10 episodes that I'm going to just upload all at once. Um like today, I got some free time. Um, so I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do things a little bit differently after these episodes are posted. And y'all got to stay tuned for that. So y'all okay. can't just like, not you, you you're fine. <laughs> I'm talking about the listeners. <laughs> well, I'm so, excited. So. Yeah, and I'll, we can talk about what I'm going to do differently, you know, for the future episodes. So um, be sure to like, subscribe to, review this episode of the podcast on whatever podcast player you're listening on. Like I said, it really helps people who are newly diagnosed get connected with the resources that they need in order to cope or different uh, social groups, local groups in their areas, dating groups, interest groups, just all the things that are able to really help someone um, who's newly diagnosed that they may not have had the resources available to them upon diagnosis. So this episode is something that I want to, I want to be able to do more of these. I want to be able to have more open conversations and encourage sexual education and uh, consent and negotiations and really help people. I mean, this podcast has turned into so much more than just me proving a point that you don't have to kill yourself because you got herpes. So um, it's fanning out into so many different things, so many opportunities to educate and inform. And I want this podcast to be as useful as possible to as many people as it can be useful to. So please help me do that by leaving us a review so that other people can find it, so that we can continue to grow, so that we just have more opportunities to get more guests on here who are as awesome as Dale. Um, I don't want to just create awareness about what's going on or around uh, sexual health. I want to inspire action. So the action that I want to inspire is just for people to become more open and communicative about their sexual health, about what's okay, not okay, and just really removing the shame behind sex in general. And I think that that's one of the things that's going to contribute to deflating the stigma as a whole. And we can just completely reframe that stigma with these stories on this podcast with what other people are doing and sharing out there um, through their education from their own experience. So by sharing our experiences, we're able to combat the stigma and create a whole new level of sex education that is experience-based, just like what Dale's doing on the Instagram underscore I underscore have underscore herpes underscore page. Got it. (laughs) All right, this concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Until next time, stay positive.